This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, it's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your etiquette questions about asking if your ex is attending a wedding, helping others use your child's full name rather than nicknames, new tipping experiences, and asking other people's children not to roam in your home. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript from The Atlantic about a possible new trend in vacation out-of-office emails. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, your extra question of the week is a doozy about attire on the golf course, and it even spans generations. You can listen to your ads-free version of the show with its extra question by downloading it at awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Hey, cuz. Hey, cuz. <laughs> I am almost through editing this book, I swear. Happy summer. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> what a summer project to be stuck at a desk book editing. <laughs> I know, right? Um, it's it's fun doing something a little different from the everyday, but boy, it is a it's a whole thing. So I had written in the script, Lizzie's head's about to explode. We're pretty sure she's gonna live. We're pretty sure. <laughs> I was thinking about you over the Fourth of July yeah? as the. Summer days were opening up and there was a lot of freedom. Totally. And I was saying to myself, it must be really hard to summon up the discipline <laughs> to sit down and do a project that, that has long deadlines. Yes. But you have to make your own bite-sized chunks. Because, and that's really hard for me. I mean, you and I, I feel like in school, operated very similarly. Correct me if I'm wrong. But it's kind of like you wait and you wait and you wait and then you just get it all done and you produce good work but it's like insane how fast you produce it in such a short amount of time and if you had given yourself the like two and a half weeks for the project you could have just been more relaxed or it's the same thing as an adult I haven't changed it's going well I feel like I'm I'm better at this but it's not easy but you've got some kind of chunky planning going on in your personal life right now I'm trying meal planning, or I should really be completely honest and say Pooja, Pooja is trying, is trying meal, meal planning. planning. So how's it working? What are you guys doing? She's such a geek. She hand writes <laughs> out these spreadsheets, these grids totally. in, on, on these little notepads that map out our meals for the week, dinners yep. and lunches and even some breakfast. And okay. all of a sudden I'm seeing some smoothies planned, some sort of <laughs> okay. mixing up of the breakfast routine. Um I was resistant at first. Why? Why were you resistant? Because sometimes you just want to eat what you want to eat. Okay, you're more live in the moment. I'm feeling like a burger or I'm feeling like quesadillas. I'm like, w- yeah. Really wanting that room for I feel like this tonight. Okay. 
it's really working well. It's so much fun. Not so much fun, but we're eating better. <laughs> it's not fun, but I am enjoying it. You know that I geek out on this kind of stuff, too, that I've done a whole array of different ways to schedule food and stuff like that. I've landed firmly in my singledom as, like, just the eat what you feel like on the nights you feel like it. And it's funny how much, like, there are times where I'm drawn back to meal planning as a way to kind of reset and offer some control and some thought and that sort of thing. So I totally appreciate the, like, geeking out on lists and, like, putting some order in it. <laughs> in some ways, it's getting me to eat my favorite things again. Because yes. when you sit and think about it ahead of time, you can plan meals that you really like and get those ingredients and then set them up as leftover lunches. So Very true. Very true. In some ways, it's actually satisfied that part of me that wants to eat just whatever I want to eat yeah. because I can actually plan those to things. To have those things in the menu. And it doesn't have to be like a negotiation in the moment. Exactly. I'm like, a way to see the silver lining. I dig it. I dig it. Well, we've planned a show to do. We did. Should we get to it? I think so. Let's get to it. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. And if you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Please leave us a voicemail or a text message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette on your post so that we know you want your question on the show. I love the title for our first question, The Inner Geek in Me. (laughs) The X-Files, Wedding Edition. Hi, Awesome Etiquette. I have a last-minute question, and I hope you may have time to help me. I'm going to my good friend's wedding next week. My friend getting married is also friends with my ex, and it hasn't been brought up yet whether he will be attending the wedding. 
Is it rude to ask her if he is also attending the wedding? It would be nice for me to have a chance to mentally prepare to see him if that is the case. Thanks so much, Lizzie and Dan. I appreciate you so much, and I never miss an episode. Oh, thank you so much for for being here for the long haul with us. I'm in your camp. I, you know, still being single, I do deal with this. I, I run into exes at places, and there are some that it takes more mental thought. And by the way, Dan being married also might be running into exes places and things like that, although you spent a good time in California, and now you're in Vermont, so I feel like it's a little less so. But... I've learned to still stick with the etiquette of it's not my business who's being invited, but it is my business to mentally prepare if I think that this this person, in my case, it's a he as well, um, is going to be there. And so I often will just say to myself, well, I don't know and I can't control it. And so what am I going to do? What's going to make me feel comfortable? You know, are there other people I'm going to spend time talking to, that sort of thing? And I go through that mental preparation, and I don't mind taking the time to do that. And then often I show up at the wedding and the person isn't there. Mm -hmm. And so it seems like maybe like it would be faster to just ask the question to find out if you even need to worry. But the truth of the matter is, is that if this person is in your area, the chances are you could run into them at the grocery store or the, you know, after school program if you're picking up kids or the wherever. I mean, just any place you go, you could run into them. So you kind of always have that mental, OK, what would happen if I did? And I think that, you know, thinking about things like uh, maybe he has a plus one or who might be people I know at the wedding that I can make sure that I'm around and, you know, have people I can go to and have comfortable conversations with. Those are the kind of things to help. Remember, you can leave right after the cake cutting if you're really not feeling great. Or I don't want to say you could leave earlier if it's really bad, but you do need to take care of yourself. And I do think it's really important that people have the permission to do that as well. I was going to offer very similar advice. Oh, okay, good. Uh, No, um, imagine best case, imagine worst case. What if they're with someone else and you aren't comfortable seeing that? What if he approaches you and says, hi, how is it going? Just sort of give yourself the permission to prepare for that mentally if it is a concern for you. Because I also agree with you that checking in on a guest list with the host is something that would be handled very delicately if you had to do it. And if you trust yourself to do that mental preparation and handle it and – I think that you probably can. Then you don't have to check in. Ultimately, a wedding is about the bride and the groom, and you want to do everything you can to keep the focus on that. And that includes the preparation period for the wedding. And I think that can also be a little mantra, something that you remind yourself the day of that could help you get through almost anything that emerged. I love that idea of of using the purpose of the day as kind of one of the mental supports for not letting this former relationship be your focus and have all of your attention for the day. Dan, I think that's a brilliant point. And I will probably be using it myself. (laughs) And who knows? Maybe I will also if the situation (laughs) arises. That's true. Anonymous, we hope that this helps. And we hope that no matter what, you have a wonderful time celebrating your friends at this wedding. I think maybe your mother's right. I think you should go to Ron's get-together this Friday. Try to like people for whatever they are. Our next question is titled, No Nicknames, Please. Dan, I'm tossing this to you, Dad. (laughs) My two-year-old has a name that can easily be shortened to a nickname, Wesley to Wes. I love the long version of the name and would hope that others, especially adults, use the full name. 
However, I've noticed that people in our community, caregivers, cousins, and aunts and uncles, are sometimes using the nickname. Do you have any sample language to ask that they don't shorten his name? It feels so awkward to correct someone who cares about my child and has their own relationship with him. Best wishes, Brittany. Brittany, you can always ask. You are the parent in this situation, and someday your son will get to make his own choices about what people call him and how he's addressed. But at this moment in time, you're playing that active, engaged parent role where you're helping to make those choices. And this is really important. How we address people is a fundamental part of good etiquette. We get questions on this show all the time about titles and how you teach children to address adults and if you want them to be using titles and full names or last names, how you correct someone if they get your name wrong, how you ask someone to call you something if they've been calling you something else. And this is a a slightly different version of that question. It's a slightly new twist on it, but it's also a perfectly normal thing for a parent to be setting these parameters. So I think you can feel pretty comfortable making this request. I think there are a lot of ways you could do that. I think so, too. I had a a good friend of mine whose daughter was a Cameron. They nicknamed her Cam, and it was like Cam Cam all the time. But Cammy was the thing that that my friend did not really gravitate towards and just appreciated that. And she would often do like a kind of a permissive thing saying like, you know, Cameron or Cam or Cam Cam, just not Cammy. You know, it's like my mom with Trisha says, you know, Patricia, Trisha, just not Patty. And this is not in any way to put down the names Cammy or Patty, but it is to just say it's it's one people have preferences. way that people people have preferences and they speak up for them both for themselves and for their children. We're dealing with close caregivers in this child's life, probably people you are really comfortable with. I'm guessing that you could say, hey, you know, I've I've noticed you're calling him Wes and we're really trying to keep it Wesley while he's young and let him make the decision later on. And I think that kind of direct one-on-one could absolutely work. But again, only with these close people who are really in his life on a regular basis. You had another strategy, too. Like you, I was imagining a lot of different ways to do this. Totally. And I, my big picture thought was that your tone probably matters more than exactly what you say. Okay. That not being accusing or scolding or critical in terms of how you feel when you make the correction is yeah. probably as important as which words you choose or even what time you choose to to do it. Oh, I, I could point. see doing it right in the moment, mm-hmm. saying, oh, hey, we're really trying to use the name Wesley. We want him to hear that, to respond to it, and we really prefer it. You could also take a little moment when you're – not engaged with the particular behavior that you're trying to interrupt Mm -hmm. and say, hey, there's something I noticed that's been going on. I wanted to mention it. I've noticed it with a number of people, and I just thought I'd talk to pretty much everyone about it when I had the chance. We're spreading the word. (laughs) I was even imagining a situation where you might, when you had a family (laughs) sitting around the dinner table seizing that opportunity, and we used to have this little funny way we would make announcements in our family. We'd say, Mousement, Mousement, as a (laughs) reminder from when we were young. We'd say, Mousement, Mousement. The little mouse speaks up. (laughs) There's something that I'd wanted to mention. I noticed everyone calling little Jeffrey Jeff, and we really are trying to stick to Jeffrey for now. 
I think that, again, your tone is more important than the particular totally. words that you choose. Yeah. No, I think so, too. I think so, too. I it would, is a reasonable request. It's a reasonable request. And I also think that it can be left without a whole lot of justification. You don't need tons of reasoning behind this other than simply, you know, we're really trying to call him Wesley as opposed to Wes right now. And we just appreciate all the help we can get. It does happen so quickly. I, I it, Well, we call Nisha Nisher. Like, <laughs> from Anisha. Nisha to Nisha to Nishu to Nisher to Nish. You go down the rabbit hole very quickly and you could want to arrest it anywhere that you want it. Or you could say this is so much fun. Let's let it go. (laughs) We've been talking about this with people we're really familiar with and who are really going to be in this child's life on a super regular basis. What about those moments where someone kind of immediately upon meeting your child nicknames them? You know, you say, oh, this is Wesley. And they bend down and say, well, good morning, Wes. And... I would pick my battles. I would I would really think about who this person is and how often I'm probably going to be running into them. I might not mention something the first time, but I might mention it the second time that it happened. If I was wanting to nip it in the bud right then and there, I'd say, oh, we're really trying to use Wesley. And that's the easiest way to go is to make the correction. I would do the same thing if someone called me Elizabeth and I go by Lizzie. I'd say, oh, you know, I go by Lizzie. It happens with my name all the time because the Z's sound like B's. I get Libby a lot. I also get Lisa a lot, which I find interesting because I don't think it sounds like Lizzie. But having to make that correction as an adult, I think you just do the, you know, for my own name, I would do the same for my child if it was happening. Brittany, I really like the way you're recognizing your child will have independent relationships with these adults and that you're making an effort to respect that. I also like the way you're being intentional about your parenting. Good luck with this one. We know you're going to handle it well. Our next question is titled, New Tipping Experiences. My town has gotten curbside service at the HEB grocery store. Do you tip the person that brings and puts your groceries in the car? At Walmart, you can order something online and pick it up at the store. Do you tip the person who shopped for you and got your package? Thank you for answering my question. It's interesting because when I first read this question, I was envisioning, you know, like a a bagger carrying your groceries or, you know, pushing your cart for you out to your car and helping you load them in, which often does happen. And we've suggested many times that you can always offer to give a tip in this situation, but they might not accept it. And so it's it's just one of those where different stores have different policies, that sort of thing. But curbside service sounds a little different to me. And I'm envisioning something where they actually go get your groceries for you and you just drive up and almost like a drive through grocery. And depending on how it works is whether or not I would tip because, for instance, you wouldn't tip at a drive through food service, right? Like we don't tip at drive through food service usually. And so I'm wondering if this is a service that they're providing and you're getting charged for the service, I would think that's just it. They've already accommodated the, the extra work that it takes to be doing this and thought about that. If it was a particularly large order or they did an amazing job picking out the right fruits and vegetables for you, I would definitely ask if I could leave it. You know, oh, this is you just did such a wonderful job with this. Could I offer a a two dollar tip or could I offer a tip? Um, And I would imagine something in the one to two dollar range to begin with. And then if it was really amazing above the top of five dollar tip. I was having the exact same thought. Okay. Okay. good. In my mind, I was saying there's no set standard for this. It's it's not like eating out at a restaurant where you know you're tipping 15 to 20 percent. It's not even necessarily like valet service at a airport or a hotel where, oh, it's about a dollar a bag or a couple dollars a bag for bigger bags. 
But like you, I was thinking about the kind of service provided. And if someone had walked around a store and assembled my order for me, there might be a service charge already associated with that. Then I think my tip would be a little smaller. But if that was something that they were doing and then I was just paying for the price of their groceries and I felt like the service was incredible, I would want to honor that, keep it happening, show my appreciation. <laughs> totally. And I was thinking almost identically to you in terms of the amounts. I was thinking a dollar, a dollar or two for smaller shopping. But okay. if someone really had done – let's say, a meal planning week's worth of shopping <laughs> for me, that would be worth maybe a little more tip. And it, and it would make sense on a $70, $80, grocery bill to have maybe a $5 tip if yeah. someone had taken the time to shop that and bring it out and load it in your car. For service where I had called ahead and ordered but I was getting out of my car and going inside and picking it up at a counter, for some reason that feels different I agree. to me. And I'm not – as inspired by the service to give the tip. And, and maybe it was service that warranted that. And, and I don't want to say that it, it shouldn't ever be done. I could see a lot of situations where someone went above and beyond or out of their way or just... It was really nice and you were really grateful that day. So you just felt like offering a tip. I mean, that's true too. And that gratitude yeah. is the spirit behind gratuities, behind yep. tipping. And I think done discreetly in a way that... Um, let someone feel good about the service that they're providing, mm-hmm. I think tips are really appropriate to offer. And if someone says, no, 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 that's quite all right. This is what we do. This is it's, – it's not expected, but I appreciate the thought. Be prepared to hear that also. I like your distinction there because when our listener wrote about the Walmart experience, I was like, oh, gosh, yeah. Like I, I have stuff either shipped to the store and pick it up in store or – order it online and go pick it up in store all the time. And I don't ever think to tip in that scenario because I'm going in, I'm picking it out. It's a service that they offer. Like, da-da-da-da-da. It just doesn't equate in my mind. But And, and they're items that are stocked. They're not, you know, usually picking out the specific vegetable for you or the cut of meat that's going to go really well mm-hmm. for your dinner. And it's funny how much those kind of more personal experiences about the food that you're eating as opposed to the box fan that you wanted to order and just make sure was going to be there when you got to the store. It's funny how I, in my own head, just see those different differently. Excuse me. No, it's that personal connection to the service. I think that it, it makes a lot of sense to me. There's an emotional coherence to that thinking. And I was even imagining – I'm not familiar with HEB. Right. Me but I, I know that the local market in Waterbury that I shop at is is a pretty small market. But if they were providing this kind of service, it would very much be something that – the employees at that store were taking on and it would feel like very personal service. I would want to tip if this type of service was being provided at the village market. I think that this is one that we need to reach out to our larger awesome etiquette audience and ask for you all to please write in if you experience this in either direction, whether you have a curbside service that you don't tip at or you have a curbside service that you do tip at. We would love to hear about your experience and why the tipping is the way that it is for you in your particular circumstance because I just think this is a new area of tipping. I think it's a great one. Thank you so much, Anonymous, for writing in with this question. You've given us a lot of food for thought. Our next question is, to my mind, kind of a tough one. Okay. It's called Please Don't Roam. Dear Emily Post, a neighbor couple stopped by our house with their seven-year-old daughter to drop off an item to my husband. We are friendly with them, but do not spend time together socially. 
As we chatted in the kitchen, the seven-year-old began to walk around our house and went upstairs. Our 19-year-old daughter was in her bedroom with the door closed. She came out, unaware that the little girl was there, and saw her in her sister's bedroom touching things on the dresser. She also came back to where we were with another household item in her hand and said to me, look what I found. Mm. I told her to put it back where she found it in a friendly tone. The parents stated that she loves to make herself at home Mm. and would even go in our refrigerator. Clearly, the parents feel this is acceptable. In my upbringing, this would have been considered rude behavior, and I felt uncomfortable. I do like these people, but was at a loss as to whether it was polite to tell the child not to wander the house or the right way to say it. Please advise what I could have said to express this. Thanks, CK. This is a really tough one, I think, especially because of the age of the child. Seven years old is like, I mean, we're in like second grade by then. We're really our own person in a lot of ways. I think about the seven-year-olds I've babysat for. And I would feel comfortable telling them their boundaries because I think they're actually really good at understanding it. And I also at the same time would almost feel like they're a little on the old side to be needing to tell these boundaries to. And so I can understand CK's just complete moment of like, oh, my gosh, what do I do here? Like They're old enough to know better. So it starts to be a comment on the parenting or the child's right. development depending on how you handle it. Exactly. Um, this is a tough one. Whose perspective do you want to do first, Dano? Take us away. Okay. I feel like I would feel more comfortable probably addressing the child and saying something like, oh, I would love it if we could all stay in the kitchen for this visit, um, if that's where the visit is happening. Or, oh, well, maybe we should all go into the living room together. Or I might say something like, oh, upstairs is off limits right now. But something like that, I think those are all, in my opinion, parents, let me know if they're not, gentle in tone. We're trying to be respectful here of the age of the child as well as of the fact that the parents seem to be really comfortable with her doing this free roaming. And I always find it a little strange when an adult talks to a parent and says, could you please about their child? And especially if the child is in earshot, I don't know. That's a tough one, but I'm hearing my mom's voice a lot of times when the youngsters are in our home and they're reaching up for something and it's like, you know, the knife block is like right next to it and they can't see over the counter, but the hand is going up. And it's like my mom says, oh, I think we probably want to do this instead. And it's a gentle guidance as opposed to like a direct correction or boundary setting. I don't know. I'm glad we let you go first because I like that answer. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I like your focus on addressing the child and I like even the language that you're choosing. It's it's setting boundaries. It's being clear, but it's also not angry or accusing. I think that you've hit the right tone and I, I really like it. And for, particularly you. for a seven-year-old. It's I, an interesting age, right? <laughs> What it's reminding me is that this is good hosting behavior, Yeah, that you're setting parameters and boundaries in your home and you're really respecting a child and their ability to hear that and understand it. And if the behavior persists or it continues, you've also now made those boundaries clear for parents and they're there to help step in if you need that escalation, that next step, the discipline, the reasserting or reaffirming of those boundaries. It's a way to let the parents know, but to do it in a way that is acknowledging the humanity and the capacity of the child so you're not minimizing them. I I had been thinking about talking to the parents about it, and I was struggling for language. Yeah, this is a tough one. Could you grab him? Could you keep an eye on him? Could you restrain it? I mean, these yeah, no, all started all the words to sound, sound right. <laughs> kind of wrong. And totally. 
even though the language of, oh, could you grab him? If, you if it was that? a little child, I would say that to my brother maybe about yeah. his two-year-old or well, his one-and-a-half-year-old. Or you one said to me before, you're like, oh, oh, grab Anisha. She's, you know, because she's like toddling off like close to the dog that we know isn't like good with do- little tiny kids. Like it's – that's like you're right that's like the friendly familiar language and ck is in that position of we don't know how close ck is with this other couple and their daughter you know yeah i i I liked at the very end of your show notes you've got a sample script lucy i'm happy to help you get what you need if you let me know or if if you you ask ask, and the idea of, of of interrupting the bad behavior but also engaging the child and it's not your job to that was take for, over yeah. parenting yeah. but it's it's a great way to be a good host with and, a child in your home. And that example was for the if she started to go into the refrigerator, you yeah. know, oh, I'm ha- oh, are you hungry? I'm happy to get you something. Just let me know. Like, you know, just ask first or you know, we're an ask first family here. And those kinds of things are gentle ways of setting those boundaries. And I think they're approachable, which is nice. One of the things you had in our show notes was the idea that the house isn't childproof. And I think actually communicating that to the parents is a really good. I thought that was one that communicating that to the parents is really good or, oh, I'm sorry, my daughter's 19. We're so beyond the childproofing days. It's probably best if during our visits, we all stay in the same area. I really like the way you're modifying the language that you would use with the adults based on the age of the child. So you're not saying, oh, our house isn't childproof because that's a sort of a toddler concept. Thing, it's yeah. the, the, I'm thinking about the little bumpers on drawers <laughs> yeah, and totally. the totally. cleaning the supplies under sinks and not being locked. <laughs> totally. But something like you know, we've got teenage daughters upstairs. We like to give them their space. Oh, I, li- it, I wasn't even thinking of it that way. But you pulled that out of it. I love it. You start to set some parameters on what's okay in the house for the parents in a way that makes sense that's age appropriate for the child. I love it. CK, we hope this helps and we hope that the next visit is one that makes you comfortable. Do you think you can be happy about rules now? Yeah! As long as we remember that rules which make things better for everybody. Yeah! If you don't understand a rule, find out Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want your question or feedback on the show. And sustaining members, please remember to put sustaining member in your question. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Our first piece of feedback today is about episode 194, and a listener wanted to thank Lizzie Post for something that she said. I'm so grateful for this feedback. I have some feedback about episode 194. I really appreciated in the question about speaking about one's partner to one's friend that Lizzie brought up that that can be a red flag if your partner doesn't want you to speak to your friends about them. Well, it might not have been that way for the person asking the question. It's a really important thing to acknowledge, and I was so glad that she did. Thank you, Lizzie. Bye. 
Natalie, thank you so much. I am I am so glad that you heard that within that conversation because I think it's so easy to advocate for the other side of that, which is the, you know, be open, be free. People need their own friendships and their own places to have these conversations. But that other point is really important. You're dealing with someone's private personal life and you should be careful with that information and how you choose to divulge it to friends or whether you do. And you should talk to them about it. So thank you. Our next piece of feedback comes from Lisa in San Diego, and it's about how to diffuse the diffuser situation that was presented in episode 196. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I love your fun podcast and reference it often in conversation. I'm in the middle of listening to episode 196, and I had a thought regarding essential oil invasion. And then a bit later, Lizzie remarked how much she loves tech, so I decided to text you. Hi. Hi. And there's a big hand waving, waving emoji, emoji yeah. and as a, a new Bitmoji user, I uh, appreciate the use of the emojis. That's not a Bitmoji, though. I know it's not but a you Bitmoji. Like your bit- By the way, we are going to start. <laughs> I'm going to start screenshotting the Bitmojis that Dan sends to me because they are so Dan Dad awesome. It's un- like Dan's Bitmojis are funnier than anyone else's Bitmojis that I receive. I don't have a Bitmoji, but he does. And it is, I am, it, by the way, he is like hysterically cracking up on the other side of the mic right now. But like it is, I love them so much. When I tell you the work that I'm like getting through and then I get Dan running with let's go <laughs> underneath it. It's like, it just is so funny. It's so funny. Somehow being a dad, you can get away with jokes that are about four or five years old. (laughs) Totally. Let's continue with Lisa's feedback. One thought for essential oil mom would be to set up the diffuser in the guest room in which she is staying. Perhaps this could be a good compromise to keep the fragrance out of the main living areas, but still allow the mom to have her experience in her space, perhaps upon waking before bed and during downtimes when she's reading, etc., The daughter can talk to mom prior to the trip about her preference to keep the diffuser out of the main areas of the home, but that she would love to set it up in the guest room for her to help her feel more at home. Be well. Lisa from San Diego. Lisa, thank you so much. I think that's a great suggestion where it's, how about we set this up over here and then that's the place that we're doing this in. I really liked it. Our third piece of feedback today comes from Susan, and she called in to offer some thoughts on splitting the check from a server's perspective. And Susan actually called in, and unfortunately, like half the voicemail, we couldn't hear it. And she was so eloquent in it, and and she was so great because um, I had called and left a message asking if she wouldn't mind calling back and doing it again, and she did. And she said, it's not as nice as my first one, but I think it's all there. Respect the server. Let them know in advance. If you have a large party, call in advance and make sure that they know you want to do separate checks. It does take time to process every credit card, so it could take up to a minute for each credit card at the very biggest extreme. So if you have six split checks, it's six minutes, which in server time is a long, long time. That's water that's not getting refilled. That's uh, bread that's not being delivered. That's orders that are not being taken for six minutes. So just be cautious of that. My new message may not be as fabulous as my old message because I was filled with the moment. Anyway, basically just please respect the server. Let them know as much as you can in advance. It will help big time. And we're happy to help. We just need to know in advance. Don't spring it us on the last minute. Thank you. Bye. I love Susan's advice so much. Susan, thank you for that reprise. That was really worth hearing. That six minutes can seem like an eternity in server time. That is an important reminder. And 
we're happy to share it. I, I think that that is a valuable perspective. Thank you for making the effort a second time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. They are so valued. Please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today's Postscript is about something that was brought up in an article in The Atlantic that spurred an interesting idea about how to handle your vacation reply emails. So this was really interesting. We'll post the article for you. But this article in The Atlantic on technology talked about out-of-office messages for email. And uh, this – I believe it was a gentleman – set up an out-of-office reply that said, I am away from this date to this date. All emails received during this time will be deleted. If you need to reach me, please send your email again after this date. I mean, Dan's eyes are just bugging out across the mic for me right now. This was fascinating to me because this wasn't just the like, what is it? It was a thing. It was a phrase that people talked about like 10 years ago, I swear. And it was this idea that you could like basically in digital form in your email, like raise your hand and say, I'm deleting everything like too much overload, like I'm not responding to vacation reply. It was this idea that we're so inundated with email that it's okay to say, I didn't get to yours. <laughs> it's an interesting idea. I mean, just think about how much we run our entire business via mostly email. Could you imagine if I just said to people, I'm sorry, deal with me later. What? Wait, huh? I, it was such a, my etiquette brain is blown. Mine too. And my eyes are bugging out for two reasons. One, there's a part of me that just I can't believe someone would do that. Right. That it's just so self-absorbed in some ways. Oh, right. And in other ways, I'm so jealous. I want to so do this. Heck yeah, on this. <laughs> Realistically, I think about seventy percent of my email is junk, maybe more. Mm-hmm. And the idea that after a 10-day vacation from one weekend to another, just one week off, Mm -hmm. that there might be a 1,000-plus emails Mm -hmm. to go through of which 70 or 80 percent you're just going to be deleting. Mm -hmm. And to give a heads up to people to just say, I'm really on vacation. Could you please resend this on Monday Mm -hmm. if it's important enough? But it's – what I'm struggling for is the language that says (laughs) that in a way that says – I care about you. I care about your message. But this is really about sort of a realistic approach to how I want to manage what's a very real problem. Mm -hmm. I think there might be some middle ground between a very curt, I'm deleting all messages, send again, and out of office reply, I'll get back to you on such and such a date when that might not even be so realistic. Here, let's read the actual out of office reply. that, And it it is a gentleman in this case. So the start of the message was, I'm out of the office and expect to have only infrequent email access. Okay. I think that's even generous given that you're on vacation. You don't need to have email access. I mean, your job will probably dictate that. But like the rest of the message reads, thank you for your message. Email received between these dates will be deleted from this server eight hours from now. Please send your message again after this date. And that's the actual message that went out. 
I mean, we've got pleases. We've got thank yous right off the bat. Thank you for reaching out. You know, thank mm-hmm. you for your message. I, my own version would be thank you for reaching out to me. And then it's very clear what's going on email. But I think it's shocking just because it's like, oh, my gosh, wait, what? And it's just going to have I mean, it's very like action flicky, you know, <laughs> like 30 seconds from now, the bomb will go off. Your email will be deleted. Like it's like super intense. But then there's this friendly, please send your message again after this date. And what the gentleman who was putting this out described was that it really culls the number of junk emails. And Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to stop you from your, you know, I don't know, big box store like coupon emails coming in. And those are all going to get deleted Mm because you've set it to delete after eight hours of, of an email coming in. But I'm kind of into this and not into this. And I'm struggling a little bit mm-hmm. because we grew up in an age with telephones and messages. And you simply, if a message came into you, then you replied when you could. And we've talked in etiquette books for years about the timeliness of a reply and that sort of a thing. And that's a big part of etiquette is responding to people. You're acknowledging that they reached out to you and existed. Ghosting is such a problem because people feel so devalued by it. And this isn't totally ghosting. It's responsible in the way that it is, but it would be a shocker for, I think, most people that get it. And then the onus is on them to set a reminder to resend this message at such and such date. I do believe there are features in most email systems that will let you do that. I could make a draft of something but not set it to go at a specific date. Um, And I think I'd need to toggle around some preferences to see if that was really something I could do. But what... I mean, do you want to start doing this? Is this cra- like what should we do here? <laughs> I don't think I'm ready to jump I'm not on board either. yet. Although I, I will say that when I heard you read the email, yeah. I felt better about it than hearing about it as a concept. Yeah, and I think it's that th- those tone the how matters the how matters <laughs> that thank you for your message, the please resend after this date that really are important. I like the way you are thinking big picture about replies being important, acknowledging when people have reached out to you and communicated with you, that that's fundamental to Mm -hmm. good etiquette. It's it's why I think there's that moment of, I can't believe it, when someone essentially is saying, I'm not going to reply to this. Mm -hmm. I'm also wanting to be really practical and realistic about a world where we're all so available and so reachable. And I want to make some allowances for us to grow and change and evolve as the situations that we operate Mm -hmm. in change and evolve. And I think that when you're not meeting a very firmly established social expectation like someone's going to reply to a message that I'm sending, Mm -hmm. that the way that you say you're not going to do that matters so, so, so much that you would really need to err on that side of – acknowledging that message. And, and and the please and the thank you, I think, start that process. I don't think they go all the way there. I would look to craft the middle of that message just a little, a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, to acknowledge you. I'm in very new etiquette territory. Mm-hmm. And this may be a new concept for some of you, but I am really loving it and finding it works for me. When I go on vacation, this is what I set my email up to do. I hope you understand. Thank you and for your help. Thank you for helping me. <laughs> like, you know, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Disconnect in a way that allows me to recharge. And different businesses are going to be different. Okay. Some people are going to need to be more responsive to the people that are reaching out to them. 
some people can afford to, to do this uh, yeah. to set up that boundary and say this is the way I'm going to do it. And I think being realistic with yourself about whether or not you could afford to lose the business that might mm-hmm. come in or to take the hit or the damage that might be done to or relationship if somebody really found what you did to be offensive in a way that made them not want to reach back out to you again when you were back. Mm-hmm. I think that one of the places where this has potential to fail and be detrimental to someone's business is in the subject line. Because most auto replies show auto reply as the very first thing. And when I see that, I automatically think, oh, that's their auto reply. And unless I actually need to pay attention to their auto reply and find out when they're going to be back in office, I don't worry about it. I let them, I'm totally 100% sitting there assuming they'll get this when they're back in office and we'll deal with it then. And if I was assuming, again, I'm using that word that I dislike so much. If I'm assuming that and I see that auto reply, I'm going to miss that I need to resend this. And I could think of the ad people we coordinate with just to get sponsors on this show. That could be really detrimental to us getting a sponsor who can help our show out. And so that's the kind of stuff where I start to get a little worried about it. So I would suggest to folks who are looking to adopt this, that you um, customize the subject line that goes out. And I might even put auto reply at the end, but put, you know, on vacation, please resend and the date so that in the subject line, you're seeing exactly what the instruction needs to be. And then you're getting this really kind, thoughtful sample language that Dan used in explaining this system that you're using to control and manage your email. I thought that was an interesting one. In a totally kind of different note, one thing I personally would love is that if you're quasi-junk mail type junk that comes in, like you said, you're 70%, I wish that a lot of that stuff that's like normal stuff that you sign up for, and I know like our newsletter would count as one of these things, I wish there was some way to like indicate beyond setting super specific preferences within your mail system what can just be junk and deleted during this time and what can't. You know, and maybe maybe that system is in there, but like it'd be really nice to make sure that everything from our ad companies comes in that week, but that the stuff from Bed Bath and Beyond doesn't like, you know, I like your technical focus on the subject line. That is such a good idea. That's a I think an important tip and something to think about. We often talk about how important subject lines are to good emails and. In this particular case, I think you've hit on something. I think that would be a critical change to make if you were going to try this. I want to wrap up our postscript with also a thought about that other wish that you have in your mind for some way to sort your emails before you have to read them, whether it's during vacation or after. I think that's a project for the new vanguard of artificial intelligence where computer programs can help us make choices and actually make some decisions and and, and do some thinking on their own because I think that's a million-dollar idea. Many millions. (laughs) Thank you for bringing this postscript to our attention. Thank you to The Atlantic once again for being an incredible source for social commentary. You know, Nora, that's not bad at all. With a little practice, you'll be a wizard writing letters. Thanks, Walter. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today's comes from Christine. Hi, Lizzie and Daniel. I'm a relatively new listener, and I am so enjoying working back through the many past shows during my morning commute. 
Your upbeat and reassuring words make me a better, more considerate driver and, indeed, human being. <laughs> this is an etiquette salute to Leonidas at the Poke Restaurant at The Street in Waikiki in Hawaii. I am here on business and stopped in to get a late dinner to go. He was genuinely interested in all of the customer's well-being and took time to chat with me as my poke bowl was prepared, which is very welcome during a business trip when often you are left to wander alone after long and hard days. He welcomed every potential customer to the food court area and sung the praises of every different restaurant there. He also introduced his new co-worker to me and to another chef who was passing through. His enthusiasm, particularly at such a late hour, was infectious and a breath of fresh air, and it was heartwarming to have the ability to make a real connection in such a busy, transient location. Hats off to Leonidas. Thank you to the Emily Post Institute for making the world a kinder, more considerate place, one listener at a time. Best wishes, Christine. Thank you so much, Christine. That is a great salute. I love it. I'm reminded of my father, who always used to go out of his way to connect with people in all kinds of situations and would really appreciate when people were also making that effort. <laughs> and thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send us questions, comments, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, you can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette at the Emily Post Institute. Please consider helping us out by becoming a sustaining member. You can do this by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you love the show, please consider leaving us a review. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine. Thanks, Thanks Chris. Chris.